raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Scorpions It's so funky. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Small Doses, the quarantine edition, uh, where honestly, it's actually been cool because I'm getting to do interviews with folks that we've been trying to do, like, interviews with for so long. We've been trying to do podcast stuff for so long, but we be in different places and spaces and times. And now we in the same place, the house. Yeah. In the house. (laughs) We in the house. So it's me and Angela Rye. First of all, you can tell that we're quarantining different because normally we about the same skin color. Right now I'm matching (laughs) these damn walls. Let's start there because I'm jealous. I fell asleep in my kiddie pool yesterday. I think... (laughs) So that just so we have an understanding of what's actually going on. I, just need, I don't pool. care what it is, but we can tell that you're clearly quarantining with a sunroof, a sky, <laughs> something skylight, a backyard. You in the sun a whole lot more than me. And I just want to get all the hateration out the way. So that's Let my I'm jealous right now that you're golden and I'm out here looking like yellow paste. <laughs> you don't look like yellow paste. Um, says who? There, we we know our red bone undertones <laughs> are an amalgam of the yellow and the red. So I understand. Hey. I've been there. I understand. Um, so like, this, I should at least put some lotion on my face this morning so I can fake a glow, fake a shine. Fake a shine is should be the name of a line that you could actually manufacture. Fake a shine by Angela Rye. Uh-huh. You know, for them no. times you got to be on camera and you wasn't really ready, <laughs> fake a shine. <laughs> I'm here for you it. You are so nuts. But yes, I'm here for fake a shine. Or get a um, shine. We don't like to fake anything. We too real for that. We are. People hate it. but they, I mean, I think they love it. I think they mad they can't do it all the time. Speaking of getting a hateration out the way. They do. They do. I think that's they what mad. it is. I think it's like, oh, I wish I was that mad and still that cute. <laughs> Or they'd be like, I wish I could know what that big ass word is Amanda just said. Or they'd be like, I wish I could eloquently destroy someone just with my verbals like that. Those are all my things. But you have a juris doctorate. <laughs> I mean, you know. This is so, a group I mean, that. Objection. No, you can't object. Hearsay. <laughs> I'd be loving just yelling out lawyer shit because I really Don't feel like it. I could have been Don't get a lawyer. disbarred when you don't even have your, your license. And, and don't go down for unauthorized practice of the law. Mm. They're going to be filing complaints against you like, we see Amanda, she out here. Not <laughs> well, what I know from my, from my understanding of the Constitution, I believe that uh, this Are you is... Are you hotepping the, today? <laughs> this litigiousness is... Uh, exactly. This is the right. hotep. That's when you know when you do this here and this way, it's bad. Anyway, Amanda. Okay, you three K's. Three K's. That's a K K K. What is happening? <laughs> what family are they in? I'm looking at the smart, funny, and black poster. What family are the hoteps in again? 
There are no hoteps on the smartphone in black. Okay, hotel. well, which one? If you tried to stretch and negotiate and compromise on the fams, which fam would they be? They would think they're woke fam. <laughs> That's it. They're definitely yeah. So they like woke ish fam. Yeah, they're, they're like, like the when ones woke that should have took wrong. a nap. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's it. It's like they so woke they sleepwalking. They're in incep- it's inception. They they're took like, too I, much. Am I awake? Stuff? I don't know. What's this stuff called with the no-dose? They took too much no-dose. Yeah, they did. And so they sleep, but they awake in a dream. We need to give them some melatonin. Well, no, melatonin is what puts you to sleep. We need yeah, to just... Yeah, that's what we need them to do is take a nap because they took too much no-dose. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. They're, yeah, come they're, de- they're delirious. They've been up for so long, no, they're delusional. If you, if you stay up too long, I don't know. I'm sure you did this in school, but you know how you stay up too long and then... You start being crazy. Like, you start feeling like you're drunk. Yes. You're so delirious. you talk like you're drunk. That's what the hotels be doing. They be talking like they're drunk. <laughs> this is why people don't like us. You know that, right? It's fine. <laughs> I got a Tupac. Look, it's just for you. You all appreciate it. Thank you. So we were about to start talking about this, and I stopped you because I could feel... I could feel the the energies coming. And I was like, let's give this for the people. Now, I don't know when this is going to air, but at the time that we are recording this, um, you started to talk about how Biden had just done something. So if you would mind, if you wouldn't mind picking up on this, we are doing side effects of politics. We have Miss Angela right here. For those of y'all who don't know, uh, Ms. Angela Rye is more than just a pundit. Uh, She was, what was your official title at the CDC? This, it was not the CDC, girl. What the I, CDC. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The CBC. <laughs> but Angela it, was not at the Center for Disease Control. She was at the Congressional. But we got office. a sister working on the uh, the coronavirus vaccination. Yes. So let's shout out to to um, Kizzy. Her I know her nickname is Kizzy on um, on IG. I can't think of her whole name. But shout okay, out to Kizzy. Them. But I'm not going to take her role. She does very good work, and I think she's at NIH. But nevertheless, they have to work with CDC now. The CBC. Um, I worked there, um, 2010 to the beginning of 2012, and I was the executive director and general counsel for the Congressional Black Caucus, and then went to start my own political strategy and advocacy firm. Yeah. And now we can see you on a regular basis. After the 2016 election, I was like, oh, I'm reaching people the wrong way. I'm not. Let me try a different approach. So that's what And so that's what made you like venture into being more visible? Be doing more media because I really felt like um, I was already doing commentary on CNN for the 16 election, but I felt like there was a different way to reach our people. And honestly, you know, our shared sibling and how we're siblings is Lenard. So we started talking and he was like, you really need to come on Breakfast Club and break some of this stuff down. And when I did that, I felt like "Ah, I'm home. Like I got to go and it wasn't a combat. It was like, I'm going to educate our people on the power of their voices, the power of their votes, like why we matter in the political process, especially when we super feel like this process has taken us for granted or, you know, it takes advantage of us or we don't feel like it serves us. It's like there's still a role for you to play as frustrating as it might be. There's a role. So that is um, why I started doing more more media um, with trying to educate people in ways that are. I don't know, more provocative, you know, yeah. more um, interesting, more uh, 
translatable, you know, like really trying to meet people where they're at. I mean, I think that's why all of us who didn't know of your work before fell in love with you just off rip because it was like, oh, somebody who is speaking on multiple levels all at one time, you know, because Mm -hmm. you'll throw in political jargon that may be foreign to a lot of us, but in the same voice that you are translating Mm -hmm. it. So what you're doing is very, very... um, unique and like it makes me think of Layla Hathaway because Layla Hathaway can like sing two octaves at the same time like two notes at the same time she'd be doing like but I I feel like that's what you do on CNN it's like you're singing two notes at the same time and so Mm -hmm. you're reaching the people in the in the you're reaching the doubters and the haters and the ones who are in the panel next in the window next to you who are like well Angela you know I I what Angela's saying is is simply just um untoward and and not accurate (laughs) and then we look over and we see Angela's face like this yeah and by the way (laughs) Angela be talking about my faces on the reel. And I'm like, Angela, you make the same faces. Yes, you do. You're no. just making them no. at idiots on these in these windows. And so no one tries you for it. I just be making faces because in my head, I'm thinking about things. I got stuff going on. So Angela be on my head, y'all. Why can't you just change your face? Because this is what it is. No, let me tell y'all about Amanda. Now, the difference between Amanda's face and mine, some people saying some crazy stuff. Amanda be in the middle of somebody's cry story. Here go Amanda. Because I'm trying to understand. I know. You look like, why are you crying about that? I ain't crying about that. (laughs) But what's so funny, what y'all don't know, is Amanda will cry too. That's the funny part. But I do, I do love the moments where I know your face enough to be like, she is thinking about something else too at the same time. Yes. Because I'm like, that doesn't require that face. So she is no. definitely thinking about something else. It's like, it's like, I know where this connects. I'm about to meet them down the road over here. But I'm, yes. and I'm like, what is she doing? Amanda. Because I'm seven thoughts ahead. I know. I know. It's just funny. And so that's not up. always my thing. My face is literally like, you know exactly what I'm thinking. I'll be like, that's my, what the fuck are you talking about face? And it's very clear. Very I like clear. when you make the, now y'all know you lying face. Or I've, I've done one on air and I saw it afterwards and I died. I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are you crazy? So it, it's so funny. We started this before we were recording. Amanda says, you know, I hate politics. And I'm looking at like that, like, Interesting. Because even if you don't like the political process, like if it frustrates you, sis, you actually don't. You be weighing in on all the things and it's <laughs> it's valuable information. Um, we it's, This is not public yet, but we have something we're working on together in Amanda's ability to translate. Like she's talking about my ability to translate things, her ability to translate things simultaneously to the super educated elites among us. And I think our common brethren is incredible. And so um, what I would tell you is as much as you might hate it, you still got to engage. I'm going to be right here. Woke fam on that smart, funny and black poster telling you that your voice is too important to not engage. And um, I'm grateful for the ways that I've seen you. Let us push you on that. Like seriously, um, because I think it matters tremendously for people to see that you're not just informed on things that are impacting us culturally. You know the connection that can be made um, between what's happening to us in our communities and the policies that make that difference. And so your openness to that 
especially this election cycle, like I'm just grateful for. Thank you. I'm grateful that I even have access to people like you. We had Joanne Reed on here. We have Mark Lamont Hill. Yeah. You know, we have Sunny coming. We have Brittany mm-hmm. Packnett. We have, you know, just a, a litany of individuals that just are very well versed in this space. And I felt like it was really important because for for what it's worth, you're absolutely right. Like we can't just be versed on the cultural part. And I think it's so easy to just get nestled and comfortable in that because it's it feels like a safe space because culturally when it comes to being a you know being black folks, like we just inhabit that space so naturally mm-hmm. and we are the ones, you know, yep. like we've we've been doing it. And so but the political space just feels frustrating and it feels so thankless and daunting, to be honest, because you know that you're up against a system that has no interest in you at all. Mm-hmm. It will, it has no interest in seeing you shine. So you know that you're walking in and, and it's like, it's a system that doesn't care about intellectualism. Like it's just, it's all the, it's like Hollywood. That's what I was just about to say. I could not wait for you to, t- I'm going to be honest. This was not one of the, you know, the moments where you talking about you seven thoughts ahead. This was me. I'm like, soon as she hit that period, I'm going to tell her, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like the Hollywood, the, the whole celebrity circle. It sounds very familiar. It sounds like any place where white people are dominating. It sounds like, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like the financial services industry. It sounds like the automotive industry. It sounds mm. like farming. It sounds mm. like any place where it requires policy to move an agenda and any just any time you decide to silence yourself, you are not cared about. But any time you decide that the power of my voice matters. You gonna hear me, you gonna see me, I'm gonna be weighing in. There's nothing they can do. And it's also similar to Hollywood because you know there are seasons where somebody's that new hot shit, right? Yep. And then you kind of fizzle out and then like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, what? You know? And you and can't what, get in this party. Who are you? I, I don't do that. I had to. It was right there. I did. No, you didn't. I did. No, you it's didn't. my show. I got to. It was easy. Reclaiming my time. Let it go. Reclaiming my time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The point that I'm raising, sis, is that um, we can decide um, that our our actions, our collective actions and our collective voices matter too much to not be sidelined in anything we touch. Anything that is close to power is going to be, it requires us to fight for us to be heard equally, to be seen, um, to be responded to. It just does. So Joe Biden put out the lift every voice agenda today. Um, I don't know when this is going to air. And I think that what is good about it is that he finally got past the, um, a black agenda is an American agenda language, which is similar to the rising tide lifts all boats. But what is bad about it is they didn't get any feedback from a large group of organizations that, you know, our family members and that we are a part of. Um, They didn't submit the agenda for anybody to react to, to weigh in on. Um, And I think that that is not how you build a ground game. It's not how you coalition build, right? It's it's just, it's irresponsible. Um, And I think it's sad because I think it's gone backfire royally. In what way? 
I think that people are going to be irritated and then they're going to have to clean up messes because the people have hurt feelings and egos involved. Part of it. I think the other part of it is when you say people, people, you mean like the leadership that you feel he did not address. Yeah. Even activists on the ground that they could have, you know, reached out to for feedback. They didn't talk to those folks. And so the part of it is going to be that like the, like the purely egotistical response. I think the other part of it that is fair is there are things we could have helped you not run into. Right. Like you, there, there, you know, every candidate talked about reparations in the primary, even if you didn't say reparations, you might've wanted to talk about equity a little bit in here. Right. Like all kinds of things. And so I'm just like, man, it's really sad to watch them make these same mistakes when Joe Biden's claim to fame was like, Oh, I was the black man's VP. Y'all got to roll with me. I didn't mean to have the corny rhyme, but I just did. And, um, that's not enough. No. You know, if Barack Obama were running today, he would have to be a whole lot more radical than he was in 2008 and 2012. Because time you really feel like it. Young folks don't play. Listen, they're not young folks are like, it's fine. Like, this is what I think a lot of folks didn't understand about what Puff was saying. Yeah. Um, so people are like, yeah, but if we don't vote for Biden, then that means that Trump will still be in office. And I think for a lot of folks, they're like, okay, but we may have to just take that L to prove that we can't simply just be expected to vote on the other side. Like you, like both of these parties should need to prove to yes. us why our votes matter. Yes. And I think that, you know, for what it's worth, there's, First of all, we're already taking huge L's in the fact that, like, our Supreme Court system is, like, it feels like we're, like, one step away from The Handmaid's Tale. Like, in a very clandestine way, like, he has managed to put in justices in, put, put in justices by way of putting in justices in these positions that a lot of folks underestimate. They think Mm -hmm. of governors, they think of senators, they think of... Presidents, they think of congressmen, but they don't think about the power of literally who's on the bench. So and not just at like, the Supreme Court. He has them at every level. At, I think there's exactly. over 200 something. Now, I want to I want to um, confirm, but he is like lit- like cranking these judicial nominations out yes. like a factory. Like a so factory. So we'd love for you to just speak to like how politics plays into that, because there's I know that I represent a lot of folks who have consciousness and we're professional and we're, you know, we, we care about our people, but sometimes we don't know in what places we need to care more. Mm, Um, and then what the practical application of that is. Yeah. I love that, Amanda. I think one of the things that would benefit like the politicos among us too, is like those conversations, because I think Lenard says this all the time. He's like, you're so in the weeds. Wait, for those of y'all who don't know, Lenard is Charlemagne. Oh, sorry. Yes. We know him. So that's our brother, Leonard, Leonard. Um, who we truly, I think both of us fight with like a real ass brother. Right. Yes. So I, I think that, um, one of the things I appreciate about what he's saying is that I do, and it's not dumbing it down. It is just like simplifying the process. So people understand our levers of power and they understand where it's important for us to engage politically. Cause it's not just the ballot. I think the biggest challenge for black people is over time. We have put it, we have, we have, We have framed the message to be the power of your politics is in your vote. Full stop. Right. That's not true. Mm. 
If you, you know what I mean? If you really think about when black people get ginned up about political engagement, it's all about an election. So it's this super reactive strategy. Yes. Like, are you registered? Did you vote? And then once we're done with that, it's silence until the yes. next election. And nobody, you can't build um, real organizing around that. And you can't build, build real political strength around that. And so what I would do yeah. is right now, Take a step back and say, you know, what is the strength in my politics? To me, the strength in my politics is the elected officials I'm connected to. It is the, the staff who do the work every single day. It is um, and, and that on the federal, state and local level and who I can call to get them to consider another position, another way of thinking around a policy that will touch us, whether we touch it or not. Right. And then um, on top of that, it is my vote. So my vote to me is like my least, the least I can do. Everybody can go do that. But what are the ways that I can use my spheres of influence or my positions of power to make a difference for the culture? And that is, okay, we have these demands. Let's say that the demand is, um, you know, equal funding for HBCUs. Let's use that because that's been a, a pretty popular one or better funding for HBCUs. Okay. So let's say we tell people, okay, we know that the power of your politics isn't just in your vote. So damn that, just don't go vote. Let's say that's what we say. Okay. So then you have to say, well, I have this agenda item where I want more funding for HBCUs. Well, that's going to come from legislation, probably the reauthorization of the Higher Education Act, or it's an appropriations measure, right, where you're just talking about funding. Now, if I don't go vote, no black people go vote. We're going to lose every black elected official in the House. Let's say that happens. Right now we have, I think it's 55. Lose everybody, every black official in the House. Let's say we don't vote. We lose every state legislative rep that graduated, alums from these schools, right? So then who becomes our ally to draft that legislation, co-sponsor it, and get it passed? Right? And you could end up with some people who are, you know, white allies and they want to do the right thing, but they're not likely to carry the water the same way that an alum of the school would or the way somebody whose parent was an alum of the school would. And so tactically, it can't be, at least not to me, that we sit out of engagement and voting is the first step. It's not the only step. So you want to vote isn't going to hold that elected official responsible to implementing an agenda that you like. You going to vote is telling them, I voted for you. So here's what you're going to do. Right. That to me is the leverage. It's the same thing with Biden. Biden was going to, um, you know, he was Lazarus, as we have said. He was Lazarus in the primary and black women were Jesus and said, Joe Biden come forth and he stood up and he came now in the spirit of Tupac. Right. A little bit of thug life in me. So what I would say is Joe Biden, we said, come forth. Now this is what you're going to do when you come. Right. Like these are the things that you're going to do for us because we saved your ass. And I think that's just it. I would rather keep my leverage by saying I have the ability to vote for you. I don't have to if you're not going to do what I need you to do. And you can't back me into a corner and just say it's about a vote for Trump. I'm not proposing voting for Donald Trump. I'm saying we shouldn't even go there. You should be doing exactly what I want you to do. That's good allyship. That's what permanent interest looks like to me. That was a long example, but I was trying to show something. So, like, where do you see someone like me 
being more useful politically? So first, Amanda, I would let me ask you this. What are the things, if you had three things where you're like, I really want these three things to happen for Black people from a, you like policy, you smart girl. So let's talk about that. Three things you want to happen policy-wise for Black people or politically, but I think you're going to do policy because you were smart. Policy-wise, three things. Well, so now even this right here, like, yeah. these are, I've genuinely never thought about this. Because I, let's, let's, then we could work through it. So, okay, what are, instead of doing it that way, tell me three of the biggest um, problems that exist for Black people. We could do economics, education. So, healthcare resources. Okay. So, lack of access to healthcare. Correct. Okay. Or we could um, say healthcare disparities. Healthcare disparities. Okay. Education. Uh, Is it disparities too? Access? Yes, access. Okay. Access um, to education, health disparities. I'm going to write this down so I don't mess up. Mm hmm. And the prison industrial complex. Okay. Um, so specifically uh, dealing with, and, you know, education ends up coming back for me in a number of different ways. So mm -hmm. even specifically in dealing with the ways in which prisoners get access to education, because I mm -hmm. have a really strong belief that when you know more, you feel better, you feel better, you do yeah. better. Yeah. Um, these are good. And they're, you know, in alignment with, I think, a lot of Black agendas that already are out. Exist. So if you say, um, I am laser focused on ending health disparities, on ending the prison industrial complex, and on ensuring access to education, the first thing that you can do, I think specifically because of who you are, is get really familiar with um, the bills that have been introduced. I would say start at the house level because it's overall federal and that's the macro level change. So it's like, what already exists out there and who are the members of Congress who I'm most in alignment with? So on prison industrial complex stuff is going to be Hakeem Jeffries and Barbara Lee. Um, on access to education, we have a black chair of the Ed and Labor Committee in the House. His name is Congressman Bobby Scott, one of the members who did not vote for the crime bill, by the way. Um, super, super dope, super big advocate for these things. Um and then on the health disparities um, side, the, the committee that oversees that is energy and commerce for the most part. But the health person um, in the CBC who's really, really good on this stuff, on um, infant mortality rates, on black women, um, black maternal health, on... Um, My character Tiffany was talking about that on Insecure. Yes. It, the person who's super dope on it and has like a health brain trust is Congresswoman Robin Kelly from Chicago. So what I would do if I were you, I know that any of them would take your calls and you're just like, hey, what are some of the things that you all have introduced or considered in committee that you really want black folks to know about? They're going to tell you, send you documents over. And then the same stuff you do right here on IG all the time. Y'all know Amanda is good for a good IG. So let me tell you what I learned about these policies that are being pushed by members who look like us. And you start sharing that. Don't y'all want more people to support what they're doing? Don't y'all want to see these bills passed in Congress? Mitch McConnell, where are you at? You know, and you really start, you know. So I'm going to ask you a dumb question. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of us learned these things, mm -hmm. but in actuality, in our daily lives, don't really know how things happen. Yeah. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Yeah. Schoolhouse rock, how does a bill how yeah. do we make a bill get passed? I yeah. know for so many of us, it just feels like you're looking at 
people who are on the, you know, lobbyists who are in, in D.C. that are basically just exchanging money. And a lot of us feel like we are so just not really effective in terms of the political process and on bills getting passed that we render ourselves, we tell ourselves, I'm, and I'm speaking for myself, yeah. but I know there's others who feel this way too. We tell ourselves, well, if I just focus on like my little world, then that's all I can do because I am ineffective in this other world. Not true. And the craziest thing, Amanda, is just something as simple as you educating yourself on what these measures are, what, the, you know, and then when you're looking at them, you might be like, well, why did they include this? Have a conversation with them. Why not? They'd be like, you know what, girl, I didn't think about that. And the way you write, you could write the whole dog gun section in the bill or talk to one of their interns who would be happy to do that for you. Right. But the craziest thing is, I believe it is a tool of the oppressor. To make us believe that mm. we are not capable, I just need to stay in my little world. Because they don't ever think that. They be all up in everybody's myth. Yeah, exactly. What boundaries? Ain't no lines? What you talking about? Right. That ain't Mexico territory. That's mine. Right? Um, gotcha, so I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that to that end, like, you have ideas. You, all policy is, is um, are the rules that govern people's lives. And so we should all want to weigh in on that. If you're going to be creating structure for my life, I'd be damned if you do that without my input. That's it. Hmm. It's just that simple. It's like, you're not, I'm not going to um, go into business, bringing it back to Hollywood. I'm not going to sign an agreement and I haven't negotiated on the terms, right? If I voted you in everything that you get ready to put forth, I can negotiate with you. And even if I didn't vote for you because my taxpayer dollars pay for your job. So I say it all the time in speeches to young people. I'm like, if y'all were running your own business and you wrote job descriptions for each role, you're not going to hire the assistant and be like, okay, I'm going to see you uh, next, next in two years when congressional members are up, I'm going to see you in two years. Let me know how you did with that job description. I did Uh Uh-uh. your money is involved. So you'd be like, okay, we're going to have these regular check-ins to make sure you're accountable to the things I asked for. They owe you that. That's not a gift to you. That is required of them to serve you. That's what it is. In contrast with what people expect from celebrities, Mm because I feel like people want celebrities to do the work of politicians in a way that's not the same. And Mm -hmm. we have not signed up for that, but your politicians that you put in office are not only the ones who have signed up for these roles, but they're the ones who are versed and they're the ones who are actually like putting in the work for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, would you say that it's a fair assessment that, and I, I hate to homogenize black America, but that our community has in many ways kind of checked out um, yes. from how, from our effect, from our like involvement. Mm-hmm. In this work? I would say that I'm going to send you this this thing I was looking at today with Amiri Baraka, who I love. And he was, mm-hmm. I know, he was talking about... Um, can, I just take, can I just put a pin in that real yeah. quick? Just for the record, y'all. Amiri Baraka was Leroy Jones. Yes, and he then, was. And then the Black Arts Movement happened. He was married to a white woman. And when the Black Arts Movement happened, he was like... Just call me Amiri. Just call me Amiri. And I, I don't think this is going to work no more. Because, you know, because I'm trying... You know, so... I rock with you, but, uh, and here we go with Mary Baraka, who has a son named Ross Baraka, who is the mayor of Newark to the point, right? Like 
started this 1972 Black Political Convention, um, came up with the list of demands. They had delegates from all over the country. In this interview with this man, I'm really going to send this to you. Do you want me to read what you had sent to me? Oh, you can say that too, but I wasn't going to even say that. That's from the document. But here's the thing. In this interview, when he's talking about our power, he's saying that we need to operate within the structure that exists, but we also need to have our own system. I'd love to live to see that. I feel like we owe him that, right? But, but that's the same what the time, Jews have done. Hmm? That's what yeah. the Jews have done. Yes. The Jewish Phenomenon is, a, is an incredible book. I encourage people to read, right? Like it, it, it is absolutely um, how different interest groups, different religions, different demographics organize around issues that are most important to them. What are going to be our issues that we mobilize around? Do we want Black people really empowered and engaged in this process? And my argument is yes. I mean, we built this thing. Um, I say we built this joint for free, and I mean that. And because we did, the system owes us a lot. Um, we are some of the greatest innovators, best thinkers, tremendous strategists. Like we can have this thing totally turned around and to serve us in an equitable manner. And I think that's what matters right now. Like I'm so proud of the young people who are waking up and awakening us to deserve and demand more. Um, and I think that everybody's not going to play the same exact role, but I do want people to be educated about what it will take to move the needle on things. Cause you could be like, throw the whole thing away. Okay. And when you throw it away, the things that you want done, how are they going to happen? And be clear on what your answer is. Maybe it is still throw the whole thing away. I'm saying, I think that we need to be simultaneously building something that serves our community as well as engaging in the process of the system that's set up. You know I love that because my whole shit is about just building from the ground up and autonomy and all these things. I think the biggest thing, Ange, that be just fucking with me is the just the the chasms that exist within the black community and our like we always say we're not homogenous, and that's a fact. Girl. But it's the chasms that exist between our spaces, between our value groups. Yeah, you know that the, the so often. And to be frank, it's the media that I get to see it most in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, social media for for what it's worth, it really Ooh. to me is what shows me just how far away I am from somebody else who I would look yeah. at as my brother or sister. And mm -hmm. then I wonder, well, if you all the way over there. And I'm all the way over here. How do I get us to move together over here? And there's some philosophy that says you can't think about that. You got to just be moving. And if they rock with you, they rock with you. They don't, they don't. But I don't know if it's the cancer in me. I don't know if it's the... If it's the the Moses in me, I don't I don't know if it's the Dumbledore in me. But I just want... I'll be like, yo, like, how, how can I rightfully, earnestly, honestly want us all to move forward, mm -hmm. but yet be so willing to leave folks behind. But I, but they say that's the only way to stay sane. It, it's hard. And I would say to you that um, what I'm working on right now is honestly something Mikhail gave me just about negotiations, period. But just like... Who's Mikhail? Mikhail is my manager and my brother. Mikhail Moore um, with Wonderland. And it's, it's just like a, a, a tremendous, not just political mind, but just the way that he knows Mikhail how so to much. speak to people and negotiate so much, like just a real gem. And, and one of the things he said to me recently and who's was like, his grandma? Oh, 
Congresswoman Maxine Waters, my mentor. It's because you know people don't just become this. He don't. He don't like to share it neither. You about he, to get me in trouble because he, he be doesn't. Like, no one. But he's a certain kind of man because he came from certain kinds of women. Ooh, she don't play. And 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 he'll tell you that, right? Like he he grew up with and learned from one of the best, if not the best, political minds of our time. Like, oh my God, the woman, the way that that woman can, and by the way, if black people don't vote, we also don't get a Maxine Waters. I just want to be clear about that. Your auntie Maxine won't be elected if y'all don't show up. But but to the point, like, she's not afraid to blend politics and activism. And she's the person who made me fall in love with politics. Can I'm you like, please specify what activism is? Because I think a lot of folks do not know. Depends. It depends on who it is that's most active. I'm, I'm very, I'm very honestly at this point, I'm very tenuous about about holding that title of activist. You're, you're an activist, and part it feels of it is so cosmetic. It's not though, because I think that part, there are some activists who go and they're on the ground and they're moving bodies that way. There are other people who can speak a clear message and have people respond to that call to action. That is a form of activism. There are other people okay. who are solely e-activists and are moving the needle with the Twitter hashtag. And that's profound because it results in real human action. Um, there's so many ways you can be a, a petition drafter and getting people aligned that way. There are just so many ways. And I think that one of our flaws as a community going back to this is that we think if it doesn't, if it's not our specific way, I know I do this and I am working through it every day. If it's not this specific way, how I would do this, then it's wrong. And that's not true. It really is. Okay. And I have to actually do this. This is the thing with Mikkel. What's the end goal? What is our overall objective? We are not enemies. We are actually aligned at trying to get to this specific objective. Now, how do we get there without tearing each other up? Right? It's like, you're, I'm not fighting you. I know this is what we both want. Now let's go. Right? Let's try to figure out how to get there together. And the big, I think one of the biggest challenges, um, Amanda, in our community is that we have hurt people who obviously hurt people and their wounded egos show up to organize or show up on that call to move the needle on something for the culture. But when they show up, they've been invisible for so long. They've been not heard for so long that they get on these calls and want to, they just want to talk. They just want to be heard. So you have to sift through all that shit so that you can get to what the overall objective is. But we have to get better. Well, I'll say me because I don't have that much patience. And holding space. Put me in there too, man. Holding space. So it's not coming in here. It's holding space. This is your cancer twin, by the way, that says this. Leonetta, my best friend. She says, hold space for the people. Let them pour all that stuff in. And then you say, I hear you. I got you. Now let's do the work. Right? Like, I heard you. I acknowledge everything. Because, you know, the cancer in me doesn't hold the space out here. I hold the space. Girl, right she here. had to learn. Leonetta did this I'm now. learning like. Yep. And this is, this is and not that's the a wall. life. This is that's pouring life. That's a life lesson. Yeah. That's with your, your peers. That's with your man. That's with mm-hmm. your family. That's, you know. It's not personal. Don't ingest that stuff. But like allow people to let people know that like your feelings matter to me. I got you. But like, I need you on this over here. Like, let's. Keep moving. 
And that's hard because black people are really wounded. We walk around here with slave mentality from years of bondage that we never shook. That is both intergenerational um, and ancestral and all the shits. It's hard. So we be feeling disempowered and then we go and disempower somebody else. Yes. To make ourselves feel empowered. Yep. And and anytime you got to take power away from somebody else to be empowered in a real way, that ain't it. That's not real power. It's domination. And domination is the way that the white man really runs things. And that's not the way that we were. um, Well, a lot of a lot of folks, I feel, you know, they think liberation is really just having the freedom to oppress others. Yeah, I don't agree with that. And it's not. Mm-mm. And so what you've described here in, in, in the ways that you've um, practicalized, um, <laughs> practicalized uh, the politicization oh, of uh, the organization mm-hmm. um, of the congregation. Oh, my is... God. <laughs> Stop. It what it does is it prevents degradation, um, but it empo- word, but, but but it inspires elevation. Yeah, and what I think you've done here, and what you've done here, Angela Rye, is you have created motivation. Hey, and she kept going. Y'all not ready for this 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 wordsmith this. <laughs> This ball this You be calling me a philosopher. Is. Where did that come from? I've never had anyone call me that before. Shit, let's do an Instagram poll today and find out what the people say. I think they would agree with me. I've never, I, I was like, when you said that, I was like, am? am hey, I'm going to tell y'all, we got this thing we're working on. And when Amanda touched that, I said, oh, she wrote this as a dissertation. <laughs> no. She said, I'm going to come up with some new names for some stuff and I'm going to break it down. I said, oh, okay. Now, I it means a lot to it. me that you liked what I touched on it because I yeah. felt like I was venturing into uncharted waters and I really just wanted to bring. That's it. That's all I'm trying to pull you into. And that's the kind of the point I mean to cut you off. But this is the point. Like you have to understand the power of your influence, the power of your voice and what you are capable of changing as a result of those things. If you do that, you can't lead anybody in the community to do that if you're not willing to do it yourself. And that's what's so crazy about this season. I think we're all being called to do that in one way or another, and it's stretching us. So there's something you got stretched out of. Mine is like, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to, you know, it's going to get done and blah, blah, blah. I'll let y'all know on the back end. And what I'm being called to is to coalesce around shit and build mm. out. And I'm like, oh, this is so painful. And it's, it hurts. It's, it's, it's hard. But Amanda, it's so much better on the other side of the thing when you can look at a whole team of people who really labored because they love the people. I would rather do that than just be like, I can officially get it done my way. I don't want to do that. But the heart of me says, I want us to win. And us winning means it's not going to all go my way. Some of it is going to go somebody else's way. And guess what? Their way was better, right? Like their words were better. Brittany's words were better. And so like, praise the Lord. And now we're figuring it out because everybody has a role to play. And I think the value in this moment is us figuring that out setting ego aside so we can empower each other because that same spirit will be transferred into the community. And so that's why I think that's what we're being called to. So, yep, you're going to be all up in the politics. No. Yeah. That's going to be good. <laughs> Just say, yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. going to be good. What? You know, uh, we have a very uh, bibliophile friendly community. Uh, they like the books. They read the books. I've got mm-hmm. the books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to ask you a couple things. First, I want to ask you, what are some books that you have read that you feel have shaped your politics? Hmm, I love that. So there are so many. I grew up, um, it's so funny, I have this book on my thing right now. This, um... Oh, hold on, I'm breaking stuff. Um... We have, there's, I grew up in the house, like, and, and this, I know this is privilege, but like, I grew up in the house with parents who had black books on the shelves, like yeah. Soul on Ice and Autobiography of Malcolm X. And yeah. I had Autobiography of Asada Shakur and Angela Davis and Roots, you know, like there's all these books that were like, this is just what it is in my house. And you know, finding out later that like a lot of my friends didn't have that exposure to books. And I loved reading going up. I wish I spent more time reading now. Um, but there are so many that shaped me and um, and make a difference. I'm trying to think of what else would, that's more immediate. Um, the new Jim Crow, like what else is, is out there that's newer? Because I it really did grow up in mean, house be- before the Mayflower. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Some straight, just, I think, I think what I would tell people, and I tell young people this in speeches too, is like the most important thing for black people, um, for any marginalized group to walk into their power, like fully is to know your history. Because when you really know your history, like, and we're powerful, we've done some incredible things. Like reading about Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and, um, black women who they don't name, but we know like the first black woman, the first documented enslaved person that was brought to these shores name was Angela, you know, like knowing all of those things and how powerful we were to be able to withstand the, you know, the institution of slavery and to be able to escape and to revolt. Like that's powerful. And before any of that, we were kings and queens on the continent, you know, like knowing that matters. You have to know that and and to be able to challenge your history teacher, which I did in the seventh grade, you know. I got um, in trouble as well. You did in seventh grade? In 10th grade. Okay. What'd you do, girl? Miss Schwank. Miss Schwank. What'd you do with Miss? Mine was Miss Jungers. What'd you do? That, that one time. <laughs> we were in an art class and Miss mm-hmm. Schwank was talking about uh, Aborigines and she said that they are a Stone Age people. Ooh. And I was like, ma'am, <laughs> ma'am. Yes, Amanda, I said, that is false. Uh, they have been around perhaps since then, but they are a civilized community of people that have mm-hmm. their own governance and their own traditions, et cetera. And she was not pleased and called a meeting with the dean, my mother. And the uh, guidance counselor. And when we got to the meeting, it was three black folks. You said, you got to the meeting, you said, she's the one that needs the guidance. They literally were like, the dean who, I never forget it, Mr. Little, he looked like OJ. And he was like, all right, so we hear, um, uh, you know, Miss Shrink, please, what is Amanda doing to disrupt the class? And she was like, oh, well, she's not disrupting the class. I mean, she's, he was like, oh, is she not doing her work? She's like, no, she actually has a, a piece of art in our exhibit this month. And she, he's like, 
okay. And then Miss Cersei is like, oh, is she talking out of turn? And she's like, well, no, she actually is very helpful. She helps the other students. My mom is like, why are we here? Well, you know, I don't appreciate Amanda correcting me in front of the students. And I was quiet, and they were like, well, what did you correct her on? I said, she said. Mm-hmm. And then I said it, and they all looked at her like. She right, though. <laughs> all right, meeting adjourned. My mom was like, I miss work for this crap. Oh, my God. I'm glad she corrected you because you're spreading misinformation, these Florida schools. Oh, my God. So tell me about Miss Jugger. Miss Jungers, we had a history book. And really, shout out to Miss Jungers because she corrected her behavior later on. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, Amanda, um, we get these textbooks in our schools that are inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And I really think at some point it needs to be a class action lawsuit against yes. all these textbooks, publishers that be putting out this nonsense for our kids and us to ingest and believe about ourselves is not true. So we open up the textbook, child's first chapter it says the first people were from Mesopotamia, two white people sitting on the grass with a lamb. And I raised my hand. I said, <laughs> we can't use this textbook, Miss Jungers. Why I said because it's wrong. You cannot use a textbook that's wrong. It says the first people from Mesopotamia, and that's not true. They're from Africa, you know. And she said, "Well, since you know so much, you come and teach." Then I was like, "Okay." So the next day, I came to class with my little board. My mom made me with all the black kings and queens on there, and we was cool ever since. But I was real pissed because I was. I like, love that oh. your mom was like, "Well, this is what we doing tonight. We got to go get a tri board." Well, we had we had it. The thing was that board was on my wall. My mom, we used to go. Do you remember the, the Anheuser Busch um, people that they? You have it, Amanda. I need you to send me this. I guess I should stop yelling. She she ain't got her headphones in anyway. If you have this board, I'm about to die because my mom cut out the. Yes, those are them. Okay. Now I need these. Now you see, is it it's Budweiser or Anheuser Busch? Yes. Which Both. one? Budweiser? Budweiser and Anheuser Busch are the same thing. Oh, okay, my bad. Well, anyway, so my mom did not want to promote the yes, sis. So my mom didn't want to promote the the beer brand. So she cut off the logo and mounted all of those. There was there was one where they had all of them next to each other in the times of their reign, right? I'm I love that she's doing this in the middle of this is perfect. <laughs> She cut off the logo so she wasn't pro- pro- promoting beer. Uh, I love your mother for me. doing that. But we literally have all of those people. And, and every week or so, my mom and I would go through and we would point to each one who looked like who in the family and uh, of our family friends. Yeah. So that one, that one, she looked like my this, mama. I remember that. Who is that? This is Makita, the queen Makita. of Sheba. Yep. I said my mama looked like her. So, yep. And then, um, so that's, and then that one looked like me. Which one is that? Cleopatra? Hatch up, baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, the point is. The ablest queen of far antiquity. Mm-hmm. But yes, I'm going to need you to give me these posters, though. Where'd you get these from? One of the few things my father was good for. 
He kept one them. of the few. You kept them from the fact that you have these sis, like you have I'm like ready to cry. This means so much to me because you know I've been going online trying to find it because I was gonna recreate the board for my godson. And I can't find like it was literally like it was one big poster that had all those faces on it. I know it was a, a um an artist they commissioned to do them, but they made some type of overall poster from it. But I love that you have those. I'm but a hoarder, but like it makes I'm a, a difference. of the right things, but it makes a difference. Like that Huge. I saw that when I was very, very young. And, you know, like I have. Oh, you know, and it means something that they were brown. I love that. You know, that was I like very that. important. And I was really about this life, but. I hear what you're saying, and you're so right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it really it speaks so much to why education and why smart, funny, and black girl. That's why when like the first mo- time you ever asked me to do this, I've heard about it. Lenard was raving about it, and I was like, "Man, I gotta see." He's like, "It's so good. It's so good." And when I started seeing this stuff, I'm like, man, this is so perfect. Like, it really is a great opportunity for family fun to teach people who didn't learn about our history at home. It's not too late for them to learn it. Like, I can't wait for all of the things that grow out of that. And Amanda, again, it's so funny because as anti as you might be to politics, it gets right to the heart of one of the things you said you wanted to push, which was access to education. So you like some of these things. I'll do my way, but I'm going to try to work with y'all to fix because there's a way, Amanda, where if it's a board game, if it's, you know, some type of book or whatever, you can negotiate with school districts to get this in the curriculum. Guess what you need to do that? Politics. Okay. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, it always ends up connecting. It comes full circle. Like if, if, if people are like, man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make a living. I'm just trying to go home every day and provide for my family and go to work. Well, if you go home and you don't have clean drinking water or clean water to bathe in, you still got to get involved. Guess what it calls for? Political engagement, right? It's like, no matter what politics touches our lives, it, it, it dictates how much our homes cost, how much we pay for property taxes, um, what type of types of arrangement exists with uh, utility companies, like every single thing, whether or not your kid can be bused to a school, you know, whether or not your school has enough resources, all political, all of it. So healthcare. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I, I think that's the thing. It's like, sometimes it just feels like it's so much and yet untouchable at the same time. And so that's why I wanted to have you just speak to normalizing the accessibility of politics and the necessity for it um, outside of the way that it's been presented to us since Trump has been in office. Because I think that's the other thing is that politics has become this like weird sphere that's taking place outside of us. And in a way that I think a lot of us aren't even accustomed to having seen it, you know, like it just looks like some shit that you don't want to be bothered with. Like, I don't want to be to bothered me, politics with that part is like either. Tiger King. To me, politics it is like Tiger King. Everybody loved Tiger King, and I was like, I don't want no parts of this. You didn't like, watch Tiger King? I watched three and a half episodes, and I was like, they killing tigers? I don't need to watch this. No, you ha- you actually have to go back and watch this 
Amanda, that is fast. It's a fascinating, slow I'm from Florida. train wreck. I've been seeing these wrecks. I just want you to watch it so that you can say in good faith, like Carol, hey, you cool cats and kittens. I just really need you to do that. I've seen her have music videos. Like once, like I, so I feel like I've, but the animal lover in me just couldn't give over, give myself over to watching these people just abuse animals uh, just for the and grant and grant aggrandizement of their egos and their delusions of grandeur. Well, but, you definitely hit that part spot on. But yes, we do have the Tiger King in the White House, and um, he gonna stay there if people don't um, really engage and get smart about how to engage communities of color. Um, and and it's just it's unfortunate we gonna lose a generation of people if we don't handle this election right. I really believe that. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. We're already losing a generation because of COVID nineteen. So <sighs> I know that's scary. That's scary. The last dose. Oh, Ange, you're such a delight. Yes, thank you. Thank you, activist Amanda. Thank you very much. (laughs) I feel better in the work that needs to be done and in the work I do because of people like you. And I'm very... um, I feel like it's just a very thankless job what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, thanks to social media, people are like, oh, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. But in terms of getting results, mm-hmm. we don't really see results at the rate that I think we we would like to, but it doesn't change the necessity to keep our foot on their necks and to keep pressing and keep making folks aware. And, mm-hmm. and um, I've been very, very lucky that like, on this podcast, I'm I'm getting the opportunity to just have so many voices that that do dedicate their lives to that. And mm-hmm. it just I'm glad that we were finally able to to get on here in front of folks and talk about the stuff that we talk about when we have these dinners and know. you know, and through via Leonard, et cetera. Yes. And I'm I hope that there will be more. And um certainly um around this results piece. I hope that what the people hear from this, if nothing else, is that if there are more feet on the necks, we will have quicker results um, and things that folks will be far more satisfied with. But that if they don't hear you, if they don't see you and you're not clear about what you want, they love guessing and coming up with plans like the Lift Every Voice Black Agenda. Well, you know, as Zora said, they'll kill you and say you liked it i thought you was gonna tell us that the negro woman was the mule of the world because i feel that today too but yes she actually There's said that. the nigger woman that's what she said in they the book just... yeah i was watching god that's what she said but ah <sighs> janie girl janie and you, you better come through see i told y'all she well-read philosopher amanda's <laughs> the amanda's is a uh, part of woke fam Most i am woke fam we read, but yeah, I'm very rebel fan as well. Too. But we I feel fight. like you're at, you live at the intersection of some of those. I'm looking right at there. the poster. Right there. Yeah. I live right at the intersection. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where can people listen to the Angela Rye on the One Pack? 
Angela Wright on one podcast? Um, everywhere where podcasts are, are available, we have one dropping. Um, well, is it, hell, this on, I don't know where we're dropping this. Anyway, we have a whole masterclass series right now that's really fun. And I'll tell you this, because by the time this comes out, it should be out. I'm going to do a freestyle on one masterclass with Method Man. I know that would make you excited. Look, look, I knew it. Look, look, Amanda is honorary Wu-Tang. I think she might have been in there. We just didn't see her on that. I'm really telling y'all. Am. When I first stepped on the scene, niggas was that your Look, look. <laughs> Well, we were supposed to do Smart, Funny, and Black at the Kennedy Center. We're going to do, well, we've done it before, but we were going to do yeah. a three-day festival yeah. in July. Yeah. And uh, Meth and Red were supposed oh, to do Oh, I love that. The that show. is dope, Amanda. You so got to make that you know, happen. So we need to get some type of vaccine or whatever the hell in the mix so that and we can get, get that cracking. And in the meantime, you got to give the people the teaser. Because honestly, I really believe this about that. Just based on, you know, I was wait, all wait, in. Wait, I was, wait, I was the club promoter. Where are you going? Girl. You said I got to give the people a teaser. Um. So, yes, you do. You do. Well, can I tell them something first? Why are you doing this? I don't know what you're doing because you keep getting up. But I was going to say that. You see uh, what I'll be getting up for. <laughs> let me tell you. I know I didn't say it was bad, but I, my train of thought ain't that good. I don't remember what I was saying. But I was going to tell you that from watching Smart, Funny, and Black on Instagram Live the other day where I thought I was clearly the club promoter because you saw my comments. And it was telling me, I was like, come back, bring 10 friends. Like, I'm yes. like, you know. <laughs> And, but the thing is like, Amanda, it is very rare for something to be as entertaining as it is in person, like on IG live, you know that like people are, and it was so, it was just so like, I'm like, I love this thing. So I hope that people will join me in our political movements and our activism and making sure that we get smart, funny, and black the respect it deserves and the platform that it deserves. Cause it's just, it's just major people sleeping on there right now. Thank we got to get that done. Not everybody. I like, I know you have a good fan base, but it should be bigger. This is like Cosby show. Epic. I'm sorry. I know y'all don't fool with Bill Cosby, but Cosby, but we show, fool, but Cosby show is, di- you know, I st- I'm with the you. Huxtables. Don't think Bill think about Cliff, you know, you know work with really me here. Jamming on the one. J- yeah. j- jamming on the wall. Yes, Stevie. That was so good. Like it Did changed you try our life. It's it tucked into my socks. Okay. Yes. Yep. You ready? You know all the lines. So yeah. It's very serious for me. Like Yeah. But yeah, so y'all need to understand smart, funny, and black is on to me that level of um cultural relevance um, has the ability to shift narratives in our minds and in our children's minds to do something very different. And this wasn't supposed to be a smart, funny and black infomercial, but I'm telling y'all, I believe in this because I don't be selling shit that I don't believe the people will tell you. And that's why we things right now. I'm going this hard for it. The black futures lab, black agenda and smart, funny and black. That's all I got right now. I'll let the rest of y'all figure it out. But we will keep working on it. You gave us a lot to figure out, and I appreciate you always. And um, for those of you 
who are listening, I hope that you take the words that I am taking in that Angela has said. And I think the biggest thing is I feel like I'm walking away from this podcast with a sense of even just ability. Like I feel Mm -hmm. able in ways that I just didn't before. So you are, so you are Hatshepsut, the ablest queen of Mesopotamia. I'll take it. Not Mesopotamia. What was it? Ableist Queen. Mesopotamia of- is where the white people were from in my seventh grade history book. Amanda. It was um, some Egyptologists regard Hatshepsut Egypt. as the greatest female ruler of all time. Hey, but I'm, I got to work on my compromising skills still. Me and Lenar were just fighting about that earlier. I'm calling back so we can finish the fight. I should draft you into this tag team his ass. Nope. Well, we need a, we need a resolution, Aaliyah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note we're out <laughs> we're out Star Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the grandma McFlurry today Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. and participate in McDonald's for a limited time